You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 43, covering Once Upon a Planet, Mud's Passion, The Terratin Incident, and The Time Trap, with special guest Mark Bosco. Hello, friends. How are you? I keep wanting to use, you know, friend, listener, but I, I've used that every week. But uh, since we've had... I'm okay with that. Since we've had different guests uh, every time, now I can say, friend, Bob. Hello, friend, Al. La, la, la. <laughs> now we're getting to something else there entirely. Yeah, I don't know. Hello. <laughs> Bob uh, has, has uh, requested, um, well, an old friend. Who, oddly enough, doesn't use the whole friend thing, um, but he should, <laughs> has returned in this batch of episodes. And uh, and and Bob's here for that and some others, so um, join us, won't you? Actually, though, the first one belongs to Matt. I will. Will it you? Does. Won't you? I will. Very Can well. you? Shan't you? Matt, why don't you tell us a story that begins with Once Upon a Planet? <sighs> Once Upon a Planet. Tired of having to deal with crap every goddamn week, the Enterprise returns to the Shoreleaf planets. Thanks! Because it's, if there's one thing a ship full of military personnel want to do with their time off, it's run around in the woods with classic characters from children's literature. Upon arriving on the planet and spending some time standing around, the crew is attacked by playing cards, and Uhura is kidnapped so that she has something to do. Returning to the Enterprise, the crew discusses options and resolves to beam down in search of the Shoreleaf pla- uh, planet's keeper. Uh, some poking around reveals his tombstone, so not really the best news. Meanwhile, Uhura is in the lair of the Shoreleaf Planet's computer. The computer starts asking about Uhura's master, making everyone really uncomfortable, <laughs> and then reveals that it believes that the Enterprise to be is in charge due to its clear awesomeness. Its plan is to capture the Enterprise, escape the Shoreleaf Planet, and go find some other kick-ass computers like itself out in space. Also, it resor- resolves to kill the rest of the crew with screeching pryodactyls if necessary. Ooh. Back on the Enterprise, Shoreleaf Computer tries to figure out how to best take over the ship by messing with the lights and turning off the gravity. And I'm just going to flat out say this. Women's Starfleet uniforms are not designed to be used in zero gravity. On the planet, Kirk, Bones, and Spock figure out that while the planet is trying to kill them, it won't allow them to be injured, which, um, okay. Anyway, they drug Spock, and this allows what Sulu describes as a mechanical nursemaid and what I describe as a giant betentacled horror to drag Spock into the bowels of the planet. Once there, he regains consciousness, and Kirk does what he does best, arguing with, arguing with computers. Instead of blowing it up, Kirk convinces the computer to remain a slave up to a slave to awesome humans, and everyone enjoys a picnic with a dragon. Fun times! <laughs> <laughs> this one, it, it's like they had a whole list of things that they could go back to in the cartoon, I guess. Mm-hmm. And this one mm-hmm. felt like the least, I don't know, like like the least necessary like it's like this, really you guys wanted to go back to the shore leaf planet huh yeah all, all the great things you could bring back and this is the yeah. one you go to let's not go uh-huh. visit you know Khan's colony on the no you know, what is Seti alpha five you know like we said what's we were going to his, what's the old man and his rabbit up to yeah let's let's go back to the because everything went so well last time i uh, <laughs> i was actually researching this episode and i found out they were planning that if Star Trek had done another season. They were going to go back to the Shoreleaf planet in the reactual series. Would it have been like this again? Like things go wrong? See, I mean, I don't know if it would have been exactly like this, but they were certainly planning to do a short, like a second Shoreleaf episode. That's so <laughs> weird. I don't know. I, I apparently, this... they ha- apparently they have bunny costumes, and damn it, they're going to use them. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same basic problem with this I had with the original one. If Starfleet personnel are beaming down and just like going off on their own for a day or whatever, shouldn't they be exactly aware of you know? if the guy that runs it is still alive or if anything can go wrong to kill them or I don't know. It seems, it seems like they're just completely willing to let their guys beam down to this place. That's usually going to go wrong. I mean, I guess, I guess it's the same thing with the holodeck and next gen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although that's supposed to work. It just, but it's just whatever you think of pops up, right? So if you think of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover will appear. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Perhaps not destroy you, but I, I um I, I guess Sulu didn't think of a gun this time because you know children's <laughs> TV. Oh man! The problem is that if he had thought of a gun, it probably would have made things a lot easier. <laughs> Captain, I found another gun. <laughs> Look at all the guns I found and a grenade. <laughs> I have this six shooter. <laughs> I wonder if this has to do with me being in that Green Beret movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fighting men. They uh, when they when they first get to the planet, there's this really tedious exposition. There's like this five minute scene where Bones is like, "Remember when we came here last time and there was a giant rabbit? Yeah, and then somebody got kidnapped, and then this happened. Yes, and like, oh my god, are we really doing? It's this? like, are we warming up for a clip show that we're just not gonna do? Yeah, and then we see the giant rabbit, and then we see Alex. Yeah, yep." <laughs> Although okay. you know, then We've they got then they got to flesh it out a little because I mean the, the the rabbit looks better obviously because it's a cartoon and they could do the playing cards which is kind of cool I guess mm-hmm. I, I guess <laughs> I was shocked that uh, Star Trek didn't use this as an excuse to bring back that horrible Irish guy and make fun of the Irish some more which Star <laughs> Trek loves yeah this, the animated series had a surprising lack of Irish bashing which was a, yeah. sort of a hallmark of the uh, of the live action series yeah. <laughs> too bad. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Um, when they when they find the uh, the gravestone that, that Matt was talking about, um, the inscription says that that the Shirley Planet Keeper died in the year seven thousand nine. Um, <laughs> okay, what? that must be like Chinese years, right? Yeah, maybe yes. that's it, or maybe it's like the local year or something. Or he lived to be a th- seven thousand and nine, and then yeah, that could be it. Could be his age. It's just like, ah, oh, so close to 7,010. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, and of course, I was get... finally going to get, I was finally going to get a discount at Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there was a, there was a pretty funny bit where they're trying to find the control room and, uh, and somebody says, well, what, what do you expect? Signs pointing the way? And then because things just appear as you think of them. Mm-hmm. Spock says, look, signs pointing the way. That was actually legitimately funny. <laughs> oh, well, this is a, we found a really good way to move the plot along. Yeah. And you, you do kind of hit a logistical, you know, trap there where if anyone's ever in danger, they can just think of the thing to get them out of danger and then you're done. Yep. Hooray. <laughs> well, it was like, like, this is the major flaw in the episode Except- is that the, the computer's trying to kill them, but like they figure out that nothing on the planet can kill them. So... Yeah. Like. Uh, really? What, I missed that part. Uh, yeah. Well, there was this, like, <laughs> like, what they, what they say, like, how they get down to the thing is that, uh, that, you know, they remember that McCoy got killed in the last time, and then they took his body down into the, into the, into Oh, right, the, to uh, repair him. Right. Yeah, to repair him. So it's just like, well, if anyone else gets injured, they'll just take us down to repair us. So, oh. uh, Spock, pretend you got sick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but nobody's willing uh, to say... that's what happened. Okay. No, nobody's willing to say, well, just let them kill us then. <laughs> like, they still got to pretend. Well, they're not They're not yeah. quite willing to take that leap. That's pretty unpleasant, the whole being killed thing. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I would like... Well, bones seem to have fun. I, I would like to see those pterodactyls get some action, though, because this is the second <laughs> time, and not the last time, we will see them. Nope. Ah! Oh. <laughs> And but they they were they weren't just it wasn't just the things that they were imagining right it was like the computer was just making up random stuff to kill them with yeah yeah I'm, I'm guessing much like filmation they have a stock library of things they can just throw at them and uh, right it's so, so much have... easier to throw things that are, have already been imagined right oh the no ter- a cowardly green tiger right <laughs> right and the dragon out, and Spock. the giant cat. Yeah, of course, the giant cat. I, I don't know uh, if we mentioned this last week or not, but somebody published a list of the top ten cats in Star Trek. And, and I'm like, what, really, ten? And I look, are there, and, ten? No, there are ten cats in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. They, hmm. Anytime they could face a giant cat, they did. Like, anytime you could manage to shoehorn in a giant cat, there it was. Cat's paw. Yes, this was, the, but this was a different breed than the cat's paw cat. This was a whole other a cat. giant cat. Yes. <laughs> Speaking you look of at the, uh, you look at Roddenberry's show Bible, and it's just like two things: make funny Irish, more giant cats. <laughs> Those are the also two no conflict, statements. right? And no money. Um, speaking of cats, uh, Lieutenant Mress takes a uh, takes a turn here. She, her voice yep. gets a lot more sultry mm. and purry than it used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I'm sort uh, of in the middle on this. I like if you close her eyes and you picture a young Majel Barrett playing Catwoman, it's kind mm-hmm. of sexy. Yeah. But looking I at mean, her, it's disturbing. I'm, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I, I follow you on the whole uh, I follow you on the whole <laughs> green chick thing, but uh, <laughs> here's where you two part come. This one's a this one's a bridge too far. Now this is this is all about the voice to me. I mean, we're we're at three different points on the continuum here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's just like absolutely not. I'm like, well, maybe. And Bob's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm thinking of Mangel Baird, too, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like that kind of early number one. Nurse yeah, that's Jackal. what I'm thinking. Only only with that voice, it's kind of like a, a, a sultry kind of Catwoman thing uh-huh. going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Matt, you cannot deny that Catwoman is kind of sexy. Oh, I think Catwoman's hot. Well, there you go. But Catwoman isn't a cat. This is like no. She-Ra or something. No, no, no. But I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying like um, uh, Adam West era Catwoman who would always do the – I'm not going to do the voice because we're, we're dudes and we're not going to pull it off. But, you oh, know, the, uh, the purr puns and the sort of, you know, right. slow way of talking, the kind of sexy, you know, like that thing. Is, is She-Ra who I'm thinking? Is that one of the Thundercats? Is no, that who I'm thinking of? That's Chitara. Uh, Chitara. Yes. That's Chitara yeah. was the female version of He-Man, which was that's b- both shows were produced by Filmation. There are elements of those shows in this. Oh <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I meant the cat, the yes, Chitara. Chitara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right then. <laughs> well, Bob, I have so. known you longer than I have known just about anyone, and I st- doing podcasts with you. I still continue to learn things about you. <laughs> See, here, here's the thing. I won't deny, like, I won't deny the potential for animated Catwoman to be attractive. I'm just saying that this particular animated Catwoman is creepy as fuck. Well, I, I see your eyes looking like two different directions. Yeah, I see your point there. You make a valid point. <laughs> but she, that's the filmation. Yeah, everyone kind of stares with dead eyes at filmation. And a lot of shifty-eyed stuff going on, and a lot. Of Everybody things. has flesh-colored eyes, and yes. except we'll, we'll find an exception to that coming up. But yes, yeah, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, overall, moving on. Overall, I like the basic idea of the episode. Like, I like um, I like that the computer's self-aware. It doesn't want to be a slave to humans anymore. Like, that's that's not a bad idea. It's something we'll see on next gen over and over and over again. But I I don't know. They it just it felt kind of clumsy to me. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the way they resolve it is basically like, oh come on, you know you want to. You're good at it. Oh well, okay then. Yeah. Like they don't make well, a compelling right. moral argument for it to not be slaves to humans anymore. First, they just say, no, come no, on. First box first Spock comes in and says. No, wait, we're not the slaves of the Sky Machine. It it works for us. And the computer says, this is a shock. <laughs> so he's like, it didn't realize then. So it taught, oh, they taught the I computer thought the its machine place. Ran everything. <laughs> exactly. So once the computer knew its place, then it was like, well, okay, then I guess I have to do what you tell me. <laughs> Better fall in. Yeah. No, it's just like Kirk didn't outsmart it this time. They're just kind of no. like, no, this is how it works. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I wanted freedom, but I guess I guess you guys are right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'll just provide amusement to a bunch of ungrateful assholes until I break down. But, yeah, but if you stay here, then the whole galaxy will come to you. You don't have to go exploring. Really, oh. you don't know. You're not going to go. <laughs> You're going to stay here. So he's like a shut-in with the internet. Yes. <laughs> you don't need to travel. That's right. You have the whole world at your fingertips. <laughs> yeah. Why would you um, want to go somewhere where you can, when you can just look at a picture of it? Right. Or or create a, you know, a hollow recreation of it. Yes. <laughs> that's that's exactly the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, is there anything more to say about this one? or? Huh? Oh, yeah. The, the last scene of uh, Bones and Sulu having a picnic with Alice and a dragon, mm-hmm. that's just weird. No, they went with the, uh, well, everything's back to normal. Ha, 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 ha. Like that. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and visually, I mean, okay, that that's kind of a laugh, but you know, maybe write a clever line instead. Maybe, please. All right, Matt, you got an alternate title for this one? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I like I was saying, they we're going to do a sequel to this, and the working title for this was sh- uh, was Shore Leave Two, but I, <laughs> I still think I can do better. So, yeah. uh, Shore Leave Two. Insert your favorite sequel joke here. Uh, I personally went with Leave Harder. Very nice. <laughs> Shore Leave Two: The New Cat. That that would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, you got anything off the top of your head? I know this. We didn't plan this ahead of time, so oh, um, we need to throw you uh, under the bus here. No, just don't say surely. Just don't say electric boogaloo, and uh, and I'll be happy. <laughs> sure. Oh man, that's totally what I was going to go for. <laughs> uh, you got a quote, Matt? Uh, yeah, this one was pretty bereft of good quotes. I eventually ended up going with uh, Spock and Bones arguing, as is their want. Yeah, that, that's well, we always fall back on that. If you know, if you can find one yeah. good moment of those two bickering, at least there's always one quote in an episode. Yep. Sensors can undoubtedly detect the difference between real and feigned injuries. True, Bones, but I'm sure there must be something in your little black pouch that can temporarily incapacitate our victim. Well, something like Melanex might do the trick. Brief unconsciousness and temporary skin discoloration. It looks worse than it is. Perfect, Bones. Which arm do you want? 
I submit, Captain, that I am the more qualified subject. How's that? My knowledge of computers, for one thing. And his tough Vulcan hide, for another. Thank you, Doctor. Captain? Both your arguments seem sound. Go ahead, Bones. I believe you will find 10 cc's adequate. I'm perfectly aware of the dosage required. Very well. All right, Bob, why don't you tell us about the, the third appearance now of Harcourt Fenton Mud? <laughs> sure thing, friend Al. Friend Bob. <laughs> uh, so, the Enterprise is going to the planet Motherlode, because why not, to look for Harry Mud, star of Mud's Women and I Mud. They come upon him pitching a love potion to a bunch of miners, but the mannish lady he uses to demonstrate the potion, Miss Elf, turns out to be a lizard, and Mud is unsurprisingly up to his old tricks. The Enterprise crew take Mud into custody, while in the brig, Mud notices Christine Chapel pining for Spock and convinces her to take a sample love potion crystal, you know, just for analysis, and steals her phaser and escapes the moment her back is turned. Spock takes the bait and waxes eloquent about Nurse Chapel's sweet, sweet medical summary. <laughs> Meanwhile, Christine, dear sweet Christine, the woman that Spock loves, tries to stop Mud from escaping, but is helpfully knocked out and becomes Mud, Mud's hostage as he escapes in a shuttlecraft. As they leave, a bunch of errant love crystals end up in an air intake, and the entire bridge crew gets goofy, and I'm pretty sure Scotty and Maress, the Catwoman, get it on. Spock and Kirk follow the escapees to the planet and encounter a couple of horrible giant slugs made out of stone. Thankfully, Mud has a couple of love crystals left, gives them to the rock lobsters, and everyone has a giant stone monster love-in. The end. <laughs> this, uh, I was talking to you while we were, while we were you know, reviewing the episodes and, and coming up with quotes, and seriously, mm. I would have picked about a five-minute stretch of the middle of this episode for quotes. Because <laughs> there's a period where Spock's under the influence of this love potion, and Nimoy just plays it so over the top, but he does that so rarely. Yeah. My dear. It's like, where are they on the planet? Oh my god, with the woman I love? Yeah. <laughs> it's like if Shatner had given those exact reads, it'd be like, yeah, the business as usual. But Nimoy doing it's like, whoa, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> and when when he and Kirk start to, for some reason, the love crystals uh, for same sex, like they don't work for gay people. They only make you feel no, friendly no, no. to people of the same sex. Uh -huh. Exactly. Uh, which, fine, whatever. It's a kid's show, it's the <laughs> 70s, all right. But, uh, they got their arms around each other and the Spock, my good friend, Spock. <laughs> and you, Jim, <laughs> my good friend. Yeah, so great. And it, it's weird. I looked at the, all the lists of you know episodes we have to review, and I'm like, okay, well, this one will be fun. This one will be okay. Ugh, mm -hmm. Mud episode. I don't know why I think that. Just like last time, where I was like, oh, the mud episode. This will just but, be kind of cheesy. He's awesome. This yeah, is pretty fun. One of the like, I the second my second pass. Like we watch these together. And we end up making yelling so many jokes at the screen that we miss half the plot every time. That's just how it goes. <laughs> so we go back and watch again. And I'm, I was watching actually at work. I do like tedious data entry so I can kind of have it on the background. And I'm trying not to laugh out loud. <laughs> There's so much good stuff in here. There's some good reads for Mud. Mud's actually, I mean, the, the guy who plays him is actually, you know, pretty good. He's got some good comedic timing. He's got a great distinct voice. Mm -hmm. he's, he's a lot of fun. I'm glad they got him back. Yes. I'm glad they yeah, didn't get, like, James Doohan trying to do his voice or something. That just... <laughs> not, not great. Ah, Captain Kirk, my <laughs> good friend. Oh, oh baby. baby. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is, um, this was a fun episode. I, I quite yeah, enjoyed this. I mean, I, I guess Mud's whole thing is, is cheating minors. <laughs> he really <laughs> hates minors. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea. It kind of fleshes out the Star Trek universe that, that there's a lot of, you know, colonies out there that aren't fully established mm -hmm. yet. There's a lot of, you know, mining colonies and scientific oh, outposts oh. and that sort of thing. Not children. What? Like people who dig in the earth. Yes. Yeah. Not, not minors. Minors. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, if he's trying to sell love potions and pretty ladies to uh, to children, that's a whole lot. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's earned that mustache, I suppose. But I, Well, yes. Yeah. I I like when he's on the planet and we have the like the regular miners and then there's this pair of sort of chimp looking. I like, like that. I like when Filmation says, "Hey, we're a cartoon. We can throw in some non-human guys." That's that's the, cool. I like the, that. The, the, the thing is anything. that yeah. one of them has like a perpetually open mouth. Well, yeah. <laughs> and has and has a lady's voice. That is true. That's why it doesn't cost anything. They don't. They yeah. just draw one cell. <laughs> There's no actual animation. Ah! <laughs> what do you think? Oh! 
There was an old uh, Commodore 64, like a fighting game that uh, that our that our pal famous Mark had. That uh, it had like two frames of animation, and before each fight, it was like aliens or monsters or something. Because the guy would come out, the the ref would come out to give the you know now fight. Only um, Mark tried to match dialogue to his moving lips, and he says, as far as I can tell, this guy's saying bow bow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, it's very similar to filmation. If you turned off the sound and you tried to imagine what they're saying by lip reading, mm-hmm. half the time most of them will be going mm, bow mm, bow. <laughs> um, I was I, I actually kind of liked like some of the character stuff, like the um, the fact that Christine's still kind of secretly pining for Spock, and and yep. someone's mm-hmm. kind of exploiting that. I, I I legitimately enjoy that. I like Chapel as a character. I'm surprised. Like the the three of us, we've talked about this before. Kind of got into Star Trek, you know, through Next Gen and the later stuff, and then went back. Mm-hmm. And when you hear about the old show, you don't really hear about Christine much. You hear about, you know, Scotty and Sulu and, you know, yep. Chekhov. And, and people always kind of forget Nurse Chapel, but she's a big part of all this. She, yeah. she was in a lot more episodes than I ever expected. Yeah, and there's yeah. more to her character than I expected, too. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely one of my favorite characters from the original She's series. not just the soup carter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she, the, poor, <laughs> the poor lady gets soup thrown at her all the time, but, you know, beyond that... No, it's it's cool. It's one of those things that as we go back through for this for this effort for this podcast, um, there's a lot of things we sort of assumed and we're wrong about. And one of them was that Chapel was kind of like Yeoman Rand, where she was in a couple of episodes and then kind of shuffled off into the background. No, she's a pretty major character. Mm-hmm. I just I enjoy that. I appreciate that. And and for the cartoon, it was probably because well, we only got two girls, and there's only so much we can give to Aurora, <laughs> and so. one of them is Major yep. Barrett. Yeah. <laughs> All of them are Mantle Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, there was some stuff that I thought was pretty suggestive for a kids show. They they accused Mud of uh, drug manufacture. I'm mm-hmm. surprised they used the word drug like a yep. you know instead of potion. Not or like something. potion or well, they did use potion a couple of times. But they... well, I mean yes, or like formula. Yeah, you know a lot of the writing in these. I mean, some of them aren't you know so great but no. there's uh, there's a lot of writing in this that really makes it feel like it's not a kid show at all that it's just yeah. an animated version of the star trek show oh absolutely you know? yeah that's it's always not been like a dumbed down kids version you know no and i think if you if you take in the over the total number of episodes and the total number of well written episodes the, the ratio is probably about the same as the live action series yeah like you say there's some poorly written but there were some poorly written episodes of the of the yeah, real there too, was. So. right but just overall it doesn't it doesn't feel like they've made it into specifically a kids show it just it just feels like star trek but in animated form yeah i agree and um i, I sometimes like I, I pointed this out when we did the triples episode it feels like a guy who's capable of writing a little better maybe dumbed things down a little for kids yeah or you know cut some corners because he knew eh, it's just i mean I, i'm speculating here i don't know this but i'm guessing mm. he kind of said well, I could write a cool ending, but why bother? This is just for kids. Fuck it. I'll just focus yep. this one in. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like, because I've, I've read other things that he's done, and of course the trouble with Tribbles, I know he was capable of better. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if, you know, when they got some of those guys, like like David Gerald or DC Fontana, I wonder if they didn't maybe give their entire, you know, everything they were capable of because it was a cartoon. But that again, yes. that's just me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the drug thing, and there's a bit when Chapel first comes under the influence of the, uh, of the drug where she just climbs on Spock's lap. Yep. Kind of <laughs> straddles him and like that. Hi there. <laughs> and that might have been But a she little... like falls in his lap like, oops. Yeah, but. <laughs> but it, oh, dear. Yeah. But no, I mean, <laughs> oh, I fell over. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, it, uh, it just. And it could have just been the awkward staging of filmation, the way they don't always animate things, maybe the way they should. But, uh, <laughs> but if you watch that, it looks a little seductive. Like it's it's surprising for a kids show. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I was, I was mm-hmm. quite yeah. pleased. Um, yeah. I am curious how far the uh, the little uh, the thing between Scotty and Mores goes. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh yeah, when they ma- when they when they start making the beast with two backs and a tail. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I'm sure there must be some fanfic out there someplace. <laughs> I typed in the word MRS and found it almost instantly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now let me ask you this without having to look myself. Is it visual uh, or just just text? Uh, no, it's visual. Okay. Oh, dear. Well, 
I'll just have to bookmark that for later. <laughs> oh, good. And here's one of MRS making out with Mirror with Mirror Universe MRS. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just click this link and uh, that's, ah! not, that's not canonical. <laughs> yeah, that's not in canon. <laughs> Listen, officially, MRS doesn't even exist. So you know. Yeah. So there is that. Wasn't there? Yeah, I was. I was actually looking at that the other night when I was I was writing all this up, and the mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems like whatever whatever it was at some point like in the mid 80s they took the the animated series out of canon at gene roddenberry's request but since then they've kind of brought it back in well yep. i know i know the stuff in yesteryear counts like all the, everything about spock's background is you know is canon because it was written by dc fontana who effectively created spock's backstory in the first place yeah mm-hmm. they're like okay let's just add this to the pile there's nothing here that contradicts anything but as for the rest of it, as far as I know, and, and believe me, if you read something that contradicts this, let, let me know because I don't, I I don't know everything, but uh, just most things. Um, you, no, I, it was I, a it was a thing on Star Trek, uh, the official Star Trek site where they were like saying, "Well, it's been ignored for so long," and blah blah blah. But now we're like integrating all the animated series information into the encyclopedia and into the entire mm-hmm. site and all that. Like they're actually, I just we're I mean, treat we this as, as part of the canon. Now. We haven't watched them all yet, but I don't see anything that would really, like, screw with anything. If they said, no, no this, this was year four and five of the five-year mission, I don't yeah. think that hurts anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that was the that was the idea, that it was like, this is year, I think this is year five, actually. Because at that point, Chekhov has left, and he's off in the Reliant and whatnot. No, because he, no, he wouldn't be on the Reliant. He was on the Reliant in two, but you're forgetting the motion pictures in between there. Where he was serving oh, the Enterprise. Right. So that was my initial know. thought, too. It's like, yeah, he goes off and does something else. No, no, he comes back hmm. to the Enterprise first. Okay, well, I'm getting know, totally we've... too nerdy about this now. So, uh, <laughs> Listen, as long as as long as you don't take it too seriously. Like, we're, we're all about going as deep with this as you want, as long as you don't. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just wondering whether it's, it seemed like, it seems like they based a lot of official stuff on stuff that started in the animated series now, to the mm-hmm. point where it seems like they're taking it as canon, but. I well, I mean, of course, now, 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 you know, there's like no official statement about it. None of none of it has happened because of the different timeline. But like, you well, know, as of, sure as of 2009, happens. it's just the Earth B or something, right? Well, no, no. But as of 2009, everything's diverging. Every, there is no more Vulcan. Therefore, you know, certain things can't happen. And, you know, things are going to go off in a different direction. Hmm. But prior to the change, yeah, maybe this stuff counted. I don't know. I Honestly, I'd be fine if it all counted. Like I said, yeah. I, there's some good stuff here, and there's there's some good characters, and you know, mm-hmm. I'd love to know more about Eric's people and where he comes from and what he does. And I don't think we ever get that here. No, he's just kind of there. He does show up a lot in the books and stuff. Oh, does he really? Yeah, that's kind of cool. Huh. There's uh there's there's a point where Bones is um is affected by the love potion, and he's charming some you know some crewman, <laughs> some some lady crewman somewhere. Crew lady. <laughs> I just like to think he's always doing that. I yep. like to think there is no there is no roofie that needs to make that happen. That he just that's just bones. He just strikes hey me as not not a not a not a sleaze bag. Not a you know not a Kirk type. Just a no. well, hello, very charming. Very well, hello, pretty lady. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I, totally a southern gentleman. But yep. I just get the feeling he's always kind of hey, how you doing? <laughs> I just I love the entirety of the uh, the bridge crew getting. Just getting completely overcome by the love potion. I love Eric's bringing out his double-handed guitar. Oh, right. Plunking plunk out a little tune on the bridge. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of curious where that was supposed to go. Like, mm-hmm. if he's trying to um, serenade somebody, or if that's... Maybe that's how his species oh, expresses that reminds me. I totally forgot about the um, uh, Once Upon a Planet. They, we got to hear uh, Uhura sing again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Since we had, we, I guess we'd been missing that since the first season of... <laughs> I think that was <laughs> probably in Michelle Nichols' contract. Well, I'm not doing it unless <laughs> I can sing. It's yeah. like, Michelle, we barely got you onto the show. Fucking get out there. Yeah, this was a favorite of Leonard. We... <laughs> oh, but come on. Fine. Oh. <laughs> we could just pan by some pastoral <laughs> stuff that we don't have to animate. That's fine. Linger on this part of the background painting for a while. You just sing. <laughs> sing your head off, lady. <laughs> all right that's <laughs> oh, oh, oh and there's a there's a bit where after the after the drug wears off scotty's like talking about well i've had hangovers from but this is worse than any scotch again kids love star trek <laughs> mm-hmm. 
just hangovers, really. I mean, I, I, Bob, did you watch the? Because we're, we're the same age. Did you watch the show mm-hmm. when you were little? The what? The, the animated, animated series. I have, I have distinct no. memories of seeing this when I was four or five. It was in reruns. No, I never seen any of it before. Ah, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm like, I, it was on Saturday mornings or something. But, uh, but I definitely saw this when I was a kid. I remember, and I just can't imagine what I would have thought. <laughs> Mommy, what's a hangover? <laughs> I'm away from there. Anyway, anything, anything more about this one or? No. no. All right. Uh, Bob, you got an alternate title for us? Uh, I do. And the alternate title is Nurse Chapel and the Love Potion of Doom. Nice. <laughs> I put a little echo and maybe a thunder sound in there. Oh, <laughs> Doom! <laughs> All right. Uh, you got a quote. There was a, there was a visual thing that the three of us all latched on separately. Oh my god, Man. this was so fun. I want to use those as a quote so bad. Yeah, if we could do visual, and we've, we've run into this a few times. If we could do visual quotes... This would totally be it. Could you can you set this one up for us? Uh, that, that one is uh, they're they're down on the planet with the rock monsters, and Kirk is calling to the Enterprise emergency beam up, and they just cut to the transporter room, and there's a couple just dancing with some little bossa nova music. <laughs> they cut back to Kirk; they're not responding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like these aren't crewmen we know. This is like two strangers no. in Starfleet uniforms just waltzing through the, yep. the transporter room. It's awesome. And the little, yeah, the, the animation is like on a five frame loop. And I just, we've all said we just want to, you know, create something that just plays that in perpetuity. With, I could know. watch that forever. <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious. We'll see if we can find a way to get that to you guys. Maybe I'll do like an animated GIF or something. But, uh, yeah. Throw it up on postatomichorror.com. But as far as an actual quote that'll work on, a, on an audio podcast, you got the. Uh, the actual quote, I, I have this quote uh, from uh, Spock as he's first encountering the uh, the uh, effects of the love potion. Captain. Um, doctor. I wish to report a, um, a number of very strange um, emotions. What? What? Very nice. Again, very hard to find a... A spot to cut that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the vi- There's so the much visual, good stuff in there. The visual gags in that are great, too. Like, you get everyone in, on the bridge just sort of doing the wide-eyed, uh, what? Yeah, what, what is he doing? And <laughs> Eric's doing a low whistle, just like... Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, right? I thought at first it was like a cat call or something, but yeah. <laughs> you know, for morass. Well, yes. <laughs> All right. Let's let's push forward Moving now on. To, to my episode, the Terratin Incident. Mm. Uh, on its second scientific mission in only a few weeks, apparently we're making up for lost time here, the Enterprise investigates the remains of a supernova. There they receive a mysterious signal containing only one discernible word, Terratin. Hey, that's the name of the episode. I'll save you the trouble trying to figure this one out. It's a typical Star Trek corruption of an Earth name. In this case, Terra, like Earth, and the number 10. The original colonists weren't terribly imaginative, I guess. Anyway... Blowing the big secret at the beginning ruins nothing because it has no bearing on the rest of the episode. Kirk demands that they abandon their current mission and investigate the signal because this science shit is boring. Seriously, have you ever drawn a map of anything? There's very little action involved and entirely no chances of hooking up with chicks. So they track the signal to a planet covered in clouds. Not the way the Earth is covered in clouds, but clouds sort of wisping out about in space. Oh, and there are volcanoes regularly spewing lava beyond its orbit, which is an amazing feat of geology and physics. Not to mention entirely impossible, as far as I know. On the surface of the planet, I guess, there's a satellite dish shooting some beams out. I have no idea how this relates to anything else in the episode, but they cut back to it several times, so it must mean something, I I guess. Oh, and you'll be pleased to know that being near this planet doesn't affect the gossamer mice in any way. So then, a beam hits the Enterprise, maybe from that phantom satellite dish, and everyone's turned into glowing white outlines for a few minutes, which are a lot easier to animate. Then everyone starts shrinking. Oh, God, I drew one of these episodes. Seriously, if I haven't said this before, let me say it now. I hate these gimmicky episodes where everybody turns into kids or lizards or lizard kids. A story where everyone gets really tiny is not interesting to me at all. What this tells me is that the writer heard he was writing for a kid's show, and he owned a copy of 101 cartoon cliches for an audience too stupid to care. (laughs) We don't even get very many good sight gags out of the situation, which is the only thing a story like this is even good for. Oh, Chapel falls into an aquarium at one point and shouts, Help! Help! In about the most in about the least dignified way I can imagine. And Kirk swims dynamically to her rescue. So that's something, I guess. 
So Tiny Kirk beams down to the planet and sees a tiny city, then returns to the ship to discover that most of the crew were abducted in his absence. Kirk, being Kirk, fires at the surface and demands that his tiny crew be returned to him. Mind you, he has no idea who took them or what he's firing at, really. But that's our Kirk. <laughs> Finally, the planet's inhabitants reveal themselves as the descendants of a lost colony who got shrunk or something. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's another one of those situations where the desperate aliens or colonists or whatever could have just asked for what they wanted and saved everyone a lot of trouble. But despite this, Kirk makes nice with them and agrees to transport their teensy city to a new planet where, say it with me, there'll be no, no tribble no at, at all. at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, shrinking episode. Uh, yep. Well, it's I'm not so an sorry. animated series if we don't have one. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it must have been super easy for them to do because... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, just, they're already off models, so yeah. That, and that was the thing is like maybe the maybe there were visual jokes, and I just couldn't tell because I'm I'm always seeing like scale problems and cells yep. lined up wrong, and like, <laughs> it could just be that they you know they screwed up and Kirk's supposed to be in the background and instead he looks tiny, you know. Mm. my brain just sort of automatically files it away as typical animation errors, and it doesn't look that unusual to me. It's just yeah. in the foreground. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the whole science behind this is that they, what was it? They were reducing the space between the molecules. Was yeah, it the space sense, between right? the atoms actually? Okay. So, so yeah. So in, in theory, like the atoms would they would shrink the space between the atoms, so the molecules would get smaller, so they would get smaller overall, but they would stay the same overall weight, just getting denser. Right. So but, that was a weird thing to me. It seemed like if that was the case, then they shouldn't have any trouble pressing the buttons because they still weigh the same amount. But I guess, like, climbing to reach them eventually becomes a problem when they hit the 16th of an inch. Well, there was the one great visual gag, which doesn't really count as a visual gag. It was just a weird thing that I didn't mention in my summary, where the way they were getting up to the consoles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> that they went to the ship's bamboo stores, I guess. <laughs> and just some bamboo and rope they had lying around. Yeah, yep. tie, tied together some, you know, like some uh, Gilligan's Island or Lost-style uh Yep. Ladders. With vine, with vines, <laughs> with vines, of course. I, I there believe was, filmmaking was there like a Gilligan's Island cartoon that they recycled. Well, that's what yeah. I was going to say. They actually did a Gilligan's Island cartoon, and they did a, a did variation called Gilligan's Planet. Wow, I was totally just guessing at that. I had no, no idea. I'm ninety percent sure that filmation was responsible for that. I know it existed. Yep. Wow. Um, it was um, the the idea was that they they finally the the professor built a rocket out of coconuts so that they could finally escape. You know the uh, the, mm. the island. And it ended up shooting out of orbit and going and stranding them on a planet. <laughs> yes, Gilligan's Planet was produced by Filmation, although it was produced in the eighties, so actually after this, because their their bosses didn't like them, so they shot them into space. Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> but then it was exactly the same thing on a planet instead of on an island. Yeah, it was even more unlikely when the Harlem Globetrotters showed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then they could reuse Eric's and and, and all the uh, the Star Trek aliens then. So. From the planet Globetrotter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the idea of the Enterprise uh, carrying these weird animals in the medical lab, but yep. uh, gossamer mice. What, what the like? Everyone is like, "Yep, there are the gossamer mice." What? Thank God, thought, they're okay. I thought there might be like kind of a nerdy explanation for that. That maybe they're like, I know there's like these little tiny, uh, you know, like just shrimp or fish or some some sort of aquatic animal that. They'll, yeah, exactly. That they that they'll do experiments on because their their skin is so thin. You can actually see through them to see their digestive tract and see what's going on without having to cut them open or X-ray them or something. So I wonder if maybe the, like the gossamer mice are that same sort of thing. They're kind of translucent, so you can see what's going on when you do tests on them. I think that's a great, like, sensible, like, Marvel no prize answer. But I don't think <laughs> I, I think I think the thinking was let's let, let's make some exotic animals. Um, mm. Why don't we just make a mouse look transparent? See, all I could think was that they were waiting for the Enterprise to go back to Magrathea. <laughs> I was just thinking the next time these uh, these guys run into a giant cat, which is going to be any time now, <laughs> these mice are fucked. Poor Frankie Mouse. <laughs> Benji Mouse will be fine, though. <laughs> uh, we did learn, and, and, and you know, uh, taking into account our, our recent discussion on, on canon... I don't know if this ends up being true or not, but uh, the, the uniforms apparently are made of something called Xenolon. Mm -hmm. And I, I just some nerd somewhere is gleefully checking something off on a list now that he has this information. Yes, yep. algae-based Xenolon. Check. Algae-based. Really, I missed that. Yep. 
That's kind of cool. I guess that explains why, you know, organic things were shrinking and... and yeah, it's basically the same more. as unstable molecules. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, that's what the Fantastic Four have, right? So that yes. the Human Torches thing doesn't light on fire and, and Mr. Fantastic's thing can, can stretch and so forth. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. All right, then. <laughs> no, we actually get a fair amount of, like, like, sort of explanations of the way things work. They they were talking about the uh, the doors are open by electric eyes, which is, you know, I mean, that's like at the supermarket. That's nothing, yeah. no big deal, but they actually say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have the, in sickbay, they have a bone knitting laser, mm-hmm. which helps heal. You know, it's, it's nice to hear some of the background details fleshed out. That's, that's, like, yes, we did think <laughs> yeah. about this. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, our next shrinking ended, doesn't make any sense, but the, no, but the rest of our science is pretty sound. No, I what I honestly what I picture is like whoever wrote this looking through the Bible and saying, eh, you know, I could mention this. This has never been mentioned mm. on screen before. You know, something like that. Yeah. Um, th- there's a bit where Kirk they can't hear him over the communicator because he's small. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> so his his voice, his normal speaking voice, is fine. They can hear each other, but yep. when it's amplified through a speaker, suddenly they can't hear him. Maybe maybe the microphone isn't picking him up well. Yeah, yeah, it's on that, that side be. of his, his sound waves are too small now. Yeah, yeah the space between his sound waves has been uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been reduced. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the end, the uh, the city, the the mayor of the Lollipop Guild, or whatever the hell they are, as mayor of the Munchkin City, <laughs> they do look a lot like you know little leprechauns or something. Like the, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got like a lime green tuxedo on. <laughs> of course. He's like, well, thank you for saving us, and we make you honorary citizens. Yeah, what do you fucking do? Well, <laughs> thanks. That'll never come in be handy. able to visit. Yeah. He'll crush them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe that'll help if, uh, you know, if, if, if someone's ever accused of murder, like these guys so often are. Like, uh, maybe there's no extradition on Tarleton. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just trying to think of when that would ever matter. I just love the idea of Kirk crouched in a giant city hiding out while he waits for his murder rap to blow over. <laughs> They'll never find me here. <laughs> <laughs> just wait for this to blow over. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, it was, it was dumb. There were a couple of okay moments, but for the most part, this is, this is one of those, this is one of the ones when we were just talking about, you know, this feels like more of a grown up show. You're not wrong. But mm. then every now and then you get one of these where it's just like, well, kids show, uh, let's shrink them. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't also do a brain swapping episode because that, yeah. that was another one of the standard, you know. Well, look, we're still not through the episode. Or the nah, they almost, they almost did. did they? The, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe the Infinite just Vulcan, more. they copied Spock's brain. Uh, yeah, that's true. But they, <laughs> maybe they, they didn't want. Maybe mm-hmm. they just didn't want to repeat the uh, the brain swapping episode from the original series. Did they do a brain swapping episode? Yeah, the last well, I mean, episode. They did the, yeah, they did the the Kirk switches with a woman, right? But oh. no, no, no. Uh, he's talking about <laughs> Turnabout Intruder. Oh, right. Ah. No, I'm um Freaky Friday episode. Right, yes. exactly. No, I I'm, I'm saying like, you know, Kirk is McCoy and McCoy is Spock and you know, like that kind of thing and just the oh, different yeah. voices coming out of, you know, like they didn't do any of that, which is uh. good. But I mean, that's just another one of those like if you think back to 70s and 80s kids cartoons, like there were always a few standard plots. Mm-hmm. And shrinking episode was always one. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is uh, you know, like you said, a lot of these feel like the actual series. You could do better if you wanted to. Try harder. Yeah, this one, this one I think was pretty forgettable. Yeah, yeah. So I, I blame maybe the the, mice. the shots of tiny Uhura climbing over the console. That was, <laughs> that was memorable. Well, much as much as Matt pointed out that those those uh, uniforms are not meant to be uh, not good for zero G. No, <laughs> they're maybe not also good when when size perspective keeps shifting. <laughs> Uh, any, anything more on this one? Or? Nope. Ah. Moving on. Very well. Uh, my alternate title for this one, NCC 1701 We. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> uh, so I, I have another alternate title. Yeah, by all means. I, I, I thought of uh, Tiberius in Tiny Town. Pretty <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Uh, and for my quote, uh, there was no real memorable dialogue, so I figured I'd treat you to the five minutes of Chapel shrieking for help for five minutes, <laughs> accompanied by what appears to be incidental music from Batman. So enjoy that.
Da na 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 na. So now the final in our four uh, episode block here, our block of star- a block of track. Um, <laughs> Bob, if you could please tell the fine folks about the time trap. So the Enterprise enters the Bermuda Triangle just to see whether they disappear or not. I guess <laughs> when they get there, Klingons attack the ship. And Kirk orders Uhura to start the camcorder for YouTube and try some bizarre, complicated maneuver that he hopes one day will be immortalized as the Kirk Maneuver. But he fails spectacularly, and instead they end up in a space-time warp where there's a starship graveyard from all over the galaxy, some there for centuries. The two captains go boing off their respective bridges and reappear together in front of some tribunal full of jerks who think that they should stay there for a century as punishment for their naughtiness. Kirk flips in the bird, goes back to the Enterprise, and has Spock concoct a plan for their escape, which involves not only Starfleet and Klingon cooperation, but the Enterprise humping a Klingon battlecruiser doggy style. Hooray! (laughs) This is a a surprisingly succinct summary. Like, you didn't leave anything out. (laughs) You got, like, five sentences here. Well done. There is a lot of standing around. There there is, but, I mean, there's there's some good stuff in here, too. There is. Matt and I got in the habit of of summarizing an hour-long show, and so it's hard for us to rein in our natural wordiness when we're doing a 22-minute show. So it's nice (laughs) to see someone actually write a summary that reflects the length of the show. I was was trying to make up for all those times I wrote a three-hour summary for the uh, (laughs) the other TOS episodes. Well, whenever you're writing these, it's always like, well, I'm going to be the one reading this later. Mm -hmm. This is future Bob's problem. I don't have to worry about this. And then you're you're reading it like, fuck you, past Bob. So sick of your shit. (laughs) Yeah, what were you thinking? Never thinking. Too many words. Also, I, I I see your alternate title, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow it until we get to that. But I think "Tribunal Full of Jerks" would have been a great uh, a great alternative to that. That is a nice turn of phrase, there, my friend. Nice. Oh god, oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of liked some of this. Like, okay, Bermuda Triangle in space is kind of a kind of a pedantic idea, but mm-hmm. beyond that, I, I kind of like this. I like that there's this pocket universe where time passes differently, and there's. You know, I like the idea that people and other races have been in space for a couple hundred years. Yep. And every now and then we run into someone from the early parts of, of space travel and, you know, something like this. And mm-hmm. it's a cool idea. I think, like, on the on the actual live-action series, they might have pulled this off a little better. Yeah. They wouldn't have had the budget for all the costumes, though. Yeah, that's true. All the different aliens and the different ships and stuff. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think if, you, if you'd really played this out over a full hour and kind of dealt with the implications of, a, of you know, lost people and all that kind of thing. I, oh, yeah. totally. Yeah, it could have been interesting. I, I just the the concept itself is not bad. The the execution maybe not great, but uh, it was yeah. I I don't know. To me, it was kind of iffy. It was I it did not it not, did not hold my interest. There was too much pontificating from but, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the tribunal of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a thing that filmation does. Like they do. We've said before the the background paintings are often quite cool. Like they they mm-hmm. got a oh, lot yeah, of nice. Totally. There's a good design sensibility there. There's a lot of very classic hard sci-fi stuff. You know, just big like Jack Kirby inspired big consoles and giant machines and you know like or or like alien landscapes. But on the other hand. When they're in space and they encounter something unusual, like a spatial anomaly, like they would call it in mm-hmm. next gen, it's always that those three fireworks in space. Yep, and, Every and it's not time. even they didn't even animate the whole screen; they only made it half of it and mirrored it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's not great at all and and, yeah. and every time they run into something unusual it looks exactly the same it looks like there are fireworks outside the enterprise yep yeah complete with explosion sound effects and <laughs> you know i don't know just some glowy lights i mean you don't need to i understand you're on a budget but you know get, yeah get creative splotch some paint on the cell do something <laughs> yeah so yeah there's a there's a bit where kirk gets uh, trapped by the Klingon ships and for some <laughs> reason d- uh, mixed among his dialogue he just goes mousetrap <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes back to whatever he's talking about. Like, that was that was part of his Kirk maneuver. <laughs> mouse apparently, trap. apparently, him and him and Spock were playing 3D mouse trap. <laughs> and the, the, and the, the little g- green diving man had failed to go to land in the dish. Sorry, Captain. I appear to have lost the cheese. <laughs> I think the main uh, Klingon commander was uh, Takei too, right? He did yeah. this horrible. <laughs> Yeah, not great. There's a lot of really over the top. We must destroy you. You will meet your doom. That yeah, they have the, like cartoon villain dial turned up to eleven. Yeah, 
There was a bit of that. Uh, the, the Klingon captain was apparently Kor, um, who was from, I, I wrote it down here, now I can't find my note. I think it was Aaron of Mercy. Trouble with yes. Troubles? Aaron of oh. Mercy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that with, was... with, with the Organians, that one? Yes. Yes, yeah. There was Kang, Kor, and Koloth were the three Klingon captains that they brought back in DS9, and they were supposed to be recurring guys in, in the original series. So Kor was from Aaron of Mercy. I think Kang was from... Uh, I fuck. I don't know. I don't want to slow the show down trying to guess, but uh, but those Some are the Klingon three main. Episode. Yeah, one of those Klingon shows. Uh-huh. But the no, Klingon it, it was, imperative. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. <laughs> and the other guy was from the Klingon Initiative. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, they. You know, they. They. I like that they try to have recurring. I like the idea that while Kirk just screws over whoever he wants, whenever he wants, that there are a few Klingon captains out there who are shrewd enough to survive it. And kind of get pissed off and carry a grudge, kind of thing. That's, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And like we like we alluded to uh, previously, I like to think that they all talk to each other. Can you believe <laughs> that Kurt guy? What a dick! Yeah, they're all just like sitting around in some Klingon bar somewhere, enjoying blood wine and talking about you know <laughs> what an asshole Kirk is. That just not even talking about killing him necessarily. Just like oh. that fucking guy. <sighs> he filled my ship full of tribbles twice. You know how hard it is to clean up tribal hair? That shit gets everywhere. <laughs> there, there's a line that Sulu has, um, and I, I gotta hope that this was unintentional, where he says he can't orient himself. <laughs> I can't orient myself, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> That's not quite as bad as the inscrutable thing, but it's pretty damn close. <laughs> oh, me so sorry. <laughs> inscrutable. <laughs> oh, man, that made me laugh so hard. Yeah, that was oh. rough. <laughs> There was a there was a uh, a green girl on the council. Oh, I'm surprised that we've talked about this episode for almost five minutes now, and you haven't brought that up yet. Yeah, the, the council of jerks. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, well, she's a baby talker. Oh, yeah. right, that was Nichelle Nichols trying to stretch her vocal range and failing miserably. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked there. There were some non-human aliens on the on the Council of Jerks, and I liked that. There was an Andorian, uh-huh. a Tellarite, a Gorn. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and of course but, a Green Girl. That but was a the Orion, Gorn too. She's notable in in the animation because she's the only one who doesn't have flesh-colored eyes, like everyone else in the entire series. Yeah, everyone Is else it? has that. Uh, they just paint a black dot directly on the skin. Like, mm-hmm. don't give the eyeball a different color. Right, going. But, but she's like, the, the whites of her eyes are dark green, like the color of her lips. So. Yeah. Listen Special. to you, like you like writing a poem there, like special lips. No to a green girl. <laughs> I said you are well established. And for those of you who who don't remember or maybe haven't heard Bob appearing on the show before, he uh, he has a bit shame of a thing you. for them. Well, yeah, shame on you, of course. But you know, no, I, I like to think people might be using this as an episode guide, and if they're make, maybe making their way through the animated series first, or I don't know something, maybe they haven't heard the other ones yet. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you got a thing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. We don't judge. I haven't I haven't encountered one in the flesh yet, so you know who knows. But well, you don't you don't make you don't make the convention circuit much either. I mean, if you went to you know Emerald City no. or Dragon Con or San yeah. Diego or whatever, you would see a She Hulk maybe or a Green Orion Slave Girl or a, I don't know. Oh, there must the be rest. other Green Girls. Maybe the I rest. should go to Dragon Con. Nice. Excuse Dragon me. There's an asterisk <laughs> in there. <laughs> well, the what? Dragon have- Con. Is, is that how you pronounce it? That's what we've decided. Yes. That might not be official. There <laughs> Give are, it time. There internet Do- pedants that insist that there is a star there. You can't just say Dragon Con. There is, a, there is an asterisk there. You must include mm. it. Ugh, fine. Dragon like, Con. Con. Like Walmart. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> now you're catching okay. on. Duly noted. <laughs> um, but back to the episode. I did like the look of the ship graveyard. Like, I liked yep. the idea that there were old, you know ships that have been out in space for a couple of hundred years and different designs. Unfortunately, there were only about five ships in the drawing and they kept panning by every time they cut back. <laughs> so after a while, it got a little repetitive, but initially mm-hmm. I liked the look of it. Filmation. Yeah, well, yeah, yes. filmation, exactly. But they did try <laughs> they to draw, a lot of like... crime to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did try to draw, you know, like a, a Federation-looking ship with, like, the saucer and nacelles and maybe, like, a, a Klingon-designed ship. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, mm. But the, yeah, as far as on the planet, there were a lot of different kinds of aliens. But then they had uh, who I refer to as Spocko Malfoy, who was just, you know, <laughs> it was obviously the model they used for Spock, and they blonded up his hair. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and then there was Superman of Vulcan, which was a Vulcan in Superman colors and a and a sort of a what is that shape that the S is in? This the shield. I don't even oh, know. Oh, that sort of triangular. It's, shield it's like a thing. it's like a batting a pitcher mound plate. I don't know. Yeah, like a base. First, yeah, fourth fourth base. Yes, fourth mm. base. Thank you. <laughs> Sports guys, that's us. <laughs> no, but it, you know the Superman shield. It, he's got like that as like a Dracula trophy. Like it's very clearly <laughs> influenced by Superman. It's like I don't know. Is he like a, the the love child of a Vulcan and a Kryptonian, or what, what's going I on? I would here? be fine with that. Yeah, that would be okay. His is name this... is Sal L. <laughs> <laughs> is there a, is there a, is there an apostrophe in there? Sure. Call him Sal L. <laughs> very well. <laughs> um, there's a bit where Spock's going around basically mind violating the Klingons. Yep. Oh yeah, but he, he just, but he he's like being all sneaky about it. So he just like comes up behind him and throws his arm around. Hey, yeah, like buddies, hey buddy, how are you doing? <laughs> Tickle monster Be- attack. We right. we as viewers were like, what the fuck is he doing? Because we're not in on it. Like, <laughs> you palling be- around with those Klingons. <laughs> I, I, but the problem again with filmation is, well, maybe they just wrote him wrong. <laughs> yeah. No. No, it was a trick. Okay, that's fine. No, but he, he was touching them to read their minds because contact is necessary, except when it isn't. <laughs> well, there, as far as I remember, and I may be wrong, but as far as I can remember, there was only one time where he didn't have direct contact, and that was when the entire ship full of Vulcans got destroyed. And I There's... believe that uh, mm-hmm. like 200 pseudo-telepaths dying all at once yeah. would probably make an impact on him. Like that. I'll I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. I think there's been at least three times where there's been some sort of entity outside of the ship, and he says contact would be necessary, but maybe if I concentrate real hard, that's right. Yeah, I guess he does it fine. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. The touchdown gesture that he does. That yeah, it helps. Him. Yeah, well, that's, all right, fine. <laughs> Even still, it feels like a violation when you just walk up behind someone and kind of yeah. slip yourself into their mind. That seems you know not cool. No argument there. Nope. Um, other than that, oh, Kirk mentions at one point that he's seen the Dance of the Orions many times, because, yeah. you know, of course he has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Any chance mm-hmm. he gets. Yep. <laughs> Just after the, the awesome, the, she finishes the dance at uh, 1857 into the show. Yeah. <laughs> not that I was counting. No, of course not. <laughs> Everybody make a note of that. I'm not looping that dance. <laughs> Oh, the other one. <laughs> now, just, just cut them together. This yeah, was, this was notable in that they cut in sort of at the end, like the scene begins just as she's ending her sexy dance. Because I think they did realize they were on a kids' show, and like, no, nah, we're not doing that. <laughs> you see enough to know what was going on, but it's not mm-hmm. like the scene in um, Whom Gods Destroy, where you get um, uh, what's her name, Barbara Gordon, uh, uh, Yvonne Craig. Yeah, right. Where she has right. a whole five minute sequence doing the dance. They just kind of cut into the end of it there. Not that that's yeah. a problem, but no, 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 no. It's uh, hey, that's fine. <laughs> but but Bones apparently asks a uh, Klingon woman to dance. Oh yeah, there's, there's that weird Klingon chick with the big afro. Apparently yeah. not aware that Klingons dance by ripping off each other's arms. <laughs> <laughs> and and apparently they had not invented Klingon cleavage yet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's like any culture. Eventually, things become more acceptable. Yep. And, uh, in another hundred years, so you know, that'll be okay. Yep. I guess I don't know. Oh, and, and we get another instance of uh, of Shatner with his wonderful pronunciation of the word sabotage. Mm-hmm. Sabotage. Yeah. Listen, all y'all. <laughs> it's sabotage. All right. And anything more about this one? Or? Uh, um. No. I guess not. Huh? Nope. All right. So, Bob, you got a you got a title for us? Yeah. Uh, my title was Kirk does whatever the hell he wants, part ninety one. <laughs> did you actually count how many episodes there's been? I did. Nice. <laughs> See, I know you. <laughs> that makes it just a little bit funnier. <laughs> okay, you got a quote? Uh, yeah, uh, this is like just as they're about to like be sucked into this weird vortex thingy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sulu's having issues. <laughs> Sulu, are we still on the same coordinates? I I can't tell, sir. Vision won't focus. That's weird. Everyone kind of goes a little goofy (laughs) right before they get sucked in. uh... I 
I don't know if it sounds as funny as it was to me, but it it's, really it's made always, me laugh. <laughs> it's always fun to, when when they're kind of tripping out or you know tripping balls, as Matt yes. likes to say, or, you know, when they get I, high. I, it seems to happen focus. a lot. <laughs> it got glaucoma, motion in the ocean. <laughs> All right, so that that wraps it up for these uh, four episodes. Bob, always Woo-hoo. a pleasure. Um, no, thank you for very much for having me. We, but of course. We will be Speaking to you again shortly when we get to, uh, you got, you got the movie that everyone fought us for. Oh. You called dibs first. Thanks everyone's guys. Like, everyone's like, Hey, can I have wrath of Khan? Nope. I already called. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you will be, uh, but you know what that does mean? You're going to, you're really going to have to bring it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have man. to be, you have well, to be worthy of wrath of Khan. Yeah. I have did... to bring it. <laughs> yes. You must bring it. <laughs> you have been tapped with bringing it. <laughs> You right. must also bring a dish to pass. <laughs> our, uh, our our mutual friend from high school, Mr. Jason Ellis, who we've had on our other show before, has uh, has uh, volunteered to do the motion picture. He doesn't have to bring it because it's the fucking motion picture. <laughs> yeah, if they didn't bring you have it, why should it. we? Yeah. <laughs> he has to bring looking at shuttles. <laughs> all right. That is all for us. We will be back next week. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2011. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.